Tom, how are you? Yeah, very good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Finally, nice to have you on. Yeah, thanks, mate. How's everything been going in uh, Norwich? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's beautiful down here. Yeah, um, all safe, all well. So, um, so uh, yeah, as good as we can be. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a tough situation for a lot of people. But how have you kind of been dealing with uh, with your goalkeepers and and just I mean, you stay in contact with the guys? Yeah. So obviously, tried to give them some kind of routine um, similar to what they would have kind of normally been normally been engaging in, and uh, and yeah, just looking after their well being first and foremost. I mean, it's it's a tough time for everyone. So first and foremost, we're looking after them as people, not just goalkeepers, um, and then obviously looking to support them with their with their goalkeeping development and football development as much as we can, um, as best we can, really. Um, but yeah, all, all safe, all well. So uh, interesting times. Awesome. Yeah, well, your resume speaks for itself. You're highly recommended. So I'm just excited to have you on. And uh, it's definitely going to be a pleasure listening to your insight and all that. And hopefully everyone listening. Again, guys, uh, ask your questions. I'm going to try and get to as many as I can. But uh, Tom has a lot of uh, things on his resume that I want to get to and want to kind of tap into. So I will get to your questions when I can, but just leave them in the uh, comment box there. Uh, But Tom, so right now you are the head of academy uh, goalkeeping for Norwich City. Uh, What does that role entail? Um, okay, so primarily day to day, I look after the under 18s and under 23s goalkeepers. So uh, that's looking after this year. That was that was five goalkeepers and their day to day kind of coaching. Obviously, I oversee the program for the under eights all the way up to the under 16. So the whole goalkeeping program. Um, and we've got a coach who works with us called Sam Donkin full time, who works with uh, with those guys. Fantastic coach. Um, so I oversee that program um, all the way through. And then uh, I also assist the first team goalkeeping coach whenever he needs me, Ed, uh, to, um, yeah, just just do whatever I can for him, whether that be engaging in sessions, whether that be reflect on sessions. We give each other kind of loads of advice and speak to each other a lot on, um, you know, all the goalkeepers, their pathways, what, the, what their needs and wants are. So, so yeah, it's, it's actually quite a diverse role. Um, obviously, the, the, the foundations are... Um, to oversee the program and hopefully to provide Ed and the first team with the next goalkeeper for their group uh, and for the first team. Uh, but yeah, like I say, it's looking, uh, it's working with all staff of all departments. It's it's working with the goalkeepers as young as seven years old up until the thirty-six year olds in the first team. Absolutely. So when it comes to obviously you hiring your staff, and I want to backtrack in a little bit, but just kind of the current situation for you hiring your staff. What are little things that you're looking for? Because I know we have a lot of uh, young goalkeeper coaches that follow the channel here. Um, what are you looking for from those uh, young young goalkeeper coaches who uh, kind of want to not make an impact, but step into your position eventually? Personality, big one. Passion, another big one. Um, and I want to, to learn and to get better. You know, obviously, um, I've been in lots of different coaching roles at, at, at that level. So, um, you know, whether that be working with, grassroots goalkeepers, uh, development squad goalkeepers, academy goalkeepers. Um, I've kind of been there. And, and um, for me, I think that having that, that passion, having that personality and uh, able to engage with those age groups, you know, it's, it's a, I think personally, it's a really specialist position to be able to uh, kind of appropriately and effectively engage and work with an eight-year-old and a 16-year-old. You know, that's a, that's a real big skill, um, especially in a position like, like the goalkeeper. So, um, yeah, massive on personality. Can they work with um, eight-year-olds, 16-year-olds, all different departments and, and different staff? Uh, have they really got a passion for goalkeeping? Do they want to be on the grass? Do they want to be in the building? Do they want to get better? Um, and that capacity to learn. So, 
can I look at uh, different coaches and pick bits up? Will I go and do the extra mile and go and watch a game or go to a conference or do a webinar or whatever, get that a bit better? Absolutely. And I think, again, that, that obviously starts from the top down. So, uh, Ed, first team, you in the uh, you know, head of the academy role. It's obviously once you guys kind of instill that and, and create that culture, I know all the coaches will follow suit. And then obviously if the coaches follow suit, then the goalkeepers do as well. So, um, you know, I want to get into now you as a, as a goalkeeper, Tom. And I know you, you had uh, stints with Ipswich when you were younger and then Norwich City as well. So what kind of a goalkeeper were you growing up? Uh, a small one. Uh, okay. so, uh, I um, yeah. I mean, I was I was involved. I just I, I never planned on being a goalkeeper. I I went to a kind of soccer school. At, I think I was eight years old. I lived in Ipswich at the time and managed to get find myself in goal and really enjoyed it and and did well and and then went into the development system there. And uh, I, I, honestly, my whole footballing journey from Ipswich to Norwich very much at development level. So never actually. You know, I was only just knocking on the door of an academy level, you know, so really just grassroots and, and kind of development squad, especially at Norwich. I just I just loved it. Like I just I had an absolute love for throwing myself around. I've got really vivid memories of, of being out on the grass just with one mate and he would try and score past me for like two hours. <laughs> and you just love it. Like, and, 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 and I guess that's where the passion for coaching came because, you know, in hindsight, you know, I'm... Um, you know, standing tall at about five foot eight, and it, it was never going to be, you know, it was going to be really difficult for me to um, kind of pursue a I'd say five foot eight is generous, but um, <laughs> kind of pursue a career in it. So, yeah, my, my memories of it, I don't think I ever really took it that seriously looking back on it. I just absolutely loved it, loved the position, loved throwing myself around, uh, loved learning, really, really enjoyed. And that, that, I guess that's where the coaching started. is really being interested in what I was taught. So yeah, it's definitely not a glamorous playing CV by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and it, it stopped very rapidly at 16. But yeah, I, I guess looking back on it, that was really influential in going straight into coaching. Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing that you mentioned there was obviously the love for the game. And I think we all have vivid memories of ourselves playing with one of our friends or, you know, going out with a, uh, one of our parents, going out there and having them shoot, you know, balls on uh, on frame and us trying to do whatever we can to dive across the goal to make the save. So um, with that, obviously, that kind of influence that the game has had on you in terms of like the love and the passion for it. One thing that I bring up a lot to coaches and the, the answer sometimes surprised me is, you know, what are you looking for with younger goalkeepers? And especially what you just said is just the love for the game. So how, how important is that instilling that from a young age where, you know, sometimes we try and specialize too early. Is, is it something that you guys have taken into account in Norwich for younger goalkeepers of like, let's see if they love the position, give them some time to grow. Yeah, definitely. I think, Loving the position and loving learning. Uh, I think that comes with the environment and the culture you, you create at those young ages. Um, so, you know, it, it's not just the, I'm looking forward to coming and doing my session tonight because I'm going to throw myself around, but I'm actually going to learn. I'm going to get better and I'm going to take something away and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that in the game on Saturday or Sunday, whenever that might be. And I think that's something that you just, along with a lot of other things, you just try and instill the importance of it, that, you know, you align you know, your behaviour, so my behaviour, so if I'm going to take an under 10 session, 9 session, I want them to go in away having fun. I want them to go yeah. away. I've, I've, you know, I've really enjoyed A, the activities I've been involved in, but B, learning and getting better and having a go at something and giving the freedom to have a go at something and try it and it maybe not come off, but then the coach support me to, to find a different way or to have another go. And yeah, I, I think that the value of that is, is doing it repeatedly over a, over a really long period of time because 
you know, it's easy for me to, to take those behaviours for one session. It's it's harder to do it for a year. Yeah. Um, and that's how I think you develop those kind of relationships that hopefully will encourage like you know, that love and that passion for the for the position and for learning. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and one thing that I I like to to ask uh, my guests as well is you know from your playing career, did you ever have a impactful coach or somebody who uh, left a big impact on you in a good way or a bad way that uh, you've carried into uh, your coaching? Yeah, definitely. So the coach at Norwich at the time was a guy called Darren Lovell, who's actually now working with the goalkeepers at Cardiff City. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, he he inspired me in a lot of ways. He, uh, he did everything goalkeeping in Norwich. So, you know, he would do my development squad sessions, he would then do us uh, the whole of the academy set up at Norwich because you know it, this was a, a while ago now. So um, obviously the academies aren't what they what they are now. Well, what they were there, and he was just a, he was a real kind of role model for me at the time. And you know some of the stuff, some of the coaching in terms of how he coached, but again more just the, that passion. And I remember as a I must have been 15, 16, and he let me come and just watch academy sessions. So it wasn't a case of like I wasn't good enough to be there. But I was just like, can I can I come along on a Saturday morning and just watch the session? Because wow. then be, being the geek that I am, I'm going to stay and I'm going to watch the under-18s game because I just really want to watch football and, and be involved in it. And yeah, of course, come along. And then he would start to kind of question me and, and you know, what, did you, what do you think of that? And, 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 you know, did you see what he was doing there? What do you, what do you, and I guess he... Um, he would be set an environment and a culture which I was kind of brought through through the development squads and then really started to uh, turn my head in the direction of, of coaching at that kind of mid kind of 15, 16s and that inquisitiveness of, of what it could be, I guess. Yeah, no, you're right. I think uh, uh, one thing too is just kind of like that role model. And sometimes, again, it's, you know, some of the coaches that I've had the pleasure of speaking to on here and through, you know, DMs or text messages, they're very open. And I think that has been something that's been eye-opening for me that at the higher levels, you would assume sometimes that, you know, you guys don't want to share ideas because it's sometimes a competition. But like you said, you had a role model from a young age who was willing to ask you questions, was willing to give you the floor and the platform to speak. And do you feel like that approach that uh, this guy had for you was something that you now allow your goalkeepers that platform and the ability to speak and ask questions? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I, I actually think as goalkeeping coaches in general, we're quite good at it. I think that we I think we're a really thirsty a group of people who want to learn and want to get better and you know things like this and um, you know a lot of the clubs I've been to all the clubs I've been to they're, they're members of staff which I still keep in touch with to this day just because I want to send them a session and go what do you reckon of that and they'll, uh, and they'll send me a session and then we'll have a conversation about a player or a game of the weekend or because you just want to talk goalkeeping all the time and yeah. I think kind of that that passion not to go back before that passion for it I think is something that's really thick and ingrained throughout a lot of goalkeeping coaches to be honest and it's contagious um <laughs> you know when you're i'm very much a very similar person off the pitch than i am on it i'd like to think and you know hopefully that kind of infectiveness around my passion for goalkeeping and you know i'll step on a training pitch at half nine in the morning and the first thing like, oh, did you see the game last night you know what what did you reckon of uh, Courtois last night or to Stegen and you said what's it like and someone and we'll end up talking for 15 minutes before we start to get the ball you know um, and then we'll, we'll come and sit in the classroom in an afternoon and I'll just put up video and it'll just be here we go here's five minutes some highlights of the weekend and let's me as a coach and five six seven sometimes the you know the, the not the senior pros but kind of the I guess the kind of 20 21 year old pros that work with work with Ed they'll come in and they'll come and oh, give an opinion and have a chat and 
because because we just want to talk, don't we? We just want to talk goalkeeping. We want to share ideas. So answer your question, yeah, I think that started with you know Darren, that coach at a young age. But I've got to say, everywhere I've been, it's been it's been really similar. That you know everyone just wants. Most people want to get better. Most people just want to talk goalkeeping. Absolutely, yeah. It's like goalkeeper union. You know, we just uh, we yeah. And it's it's it thrives, especially. I'm, that's why I'm pissed off that uh, the Euros aren't happening because I know we would have all we would have all had something to talk about over the summer. But uh, uh, but yeah, so no, you get into coaching now in 2006. I think it's at a, it's a community football coach, which is a part time role. So what did that role entail, and and did you take any lessons from that experience? Loads. So that that's actually a really complex journey, I guess, because I worked for so most of the football clubs in England have kind of a community project. And so I worked straight out of, well, I worked actually at college while I was doing my A-levels, I was coaching as well. And then when I got to uh, 18, I went away to university and did a, did a degree in sports development and coaching at Lincoln, but was always coaching in the meantime. So, you know, if I had a six-week term and I'd come back for a week, I'd phone them up and say, oh, have you got any goalkeeping camps you're running? And they'd go, yeah, 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 can I work? No, we, sorry, we haven't got a, uh, we haven't got enough kids. Oh, can I come anyway? Well, yeah, of course you can. It's fine. Wow. So, so some of it was, you know, I had a part-time role there on and off for kind of five years, I guess. And yeah, and that, that then set the foundations for my full-time job when I finished university uh, and when I took on uh, different roles within the foundation. But, uh, you know, at the time I was at university and I was learning about coaching. So it seemed pretty daft to me that I was going to, you know, spend six weeks in lecture theatres and on the pitch and coaching my colleagues and all the rest of it. And then I'd go home for a week and do nothing. But no, I want to coach. I want to go. Yeah. I want to go and take this stuff that I've learned, and I want to go and give it a go, and I want to see how it works. And and, and that combined with the fact that you know, again, you just have that love for coaching. Don't you? you want to be out on the grass? You want to be coaching? You want to be working with with these players? So, so yeah, that that was that was the start. That was the start, and then that lay lay the groundwork for when I came back from university to to start with them again. But I went through a load of different jobs. So. So all the time I was coaching goalkeepers in our development system, the same development system that I've been, but I worked in different projects. So I worked with kind of the NHS and Sport England to deliver kind of very much like health and wellbeing programs to the community. And then I worked with the Premier League and Sport England to deliver a kind of multi-sport clubs. So like basketball and uh, boxing and badminton and just getting, uh, I think it was 14 to 19 year olds involved in wow. sport. So yeah, I, I kind of got, I was there for full time for about three or so years, and then, and then as as happens, as you kind of go through these different roles, you end up coaching a bit less. And I was like, mm, I, don't, I don't know, I'm not sure. I don't know if I really if I'm if I'm going to give this coaching job, a, you know, career a go. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go. So so left that full time role as it was then, and uh, and took a part time job at Huddersfield which is about 250 miles away, which, which from England is a long way. <laughs> and, uh, and started coaching there. Yes, that was the start. Yeah, and I think because you've worked with so many young kids and you've had to deal with so many personalities, your emotional intelligence is much higher than the average person. And you know, even for example, I was talking to Matt Doyle and he was mentioning that he doesn't like to pigeonhole any of the kids that he has to fit a certain temperament or a certain personality style because... It could be a kid who is 17 years old and is barely breaking out of their shell and getting their confidence at 17, but there's a kid at 12, 13 years old that already has that confidence. So it's important to just let the kids develop at their own rate and kind of give them the freedom to do that. And through hearing about your first role, it sounds like you know you got a really good understanding of that. I, I, I hope so. But I mean, it, 
uh, it was it was great that, that, that those years and you know that was when I'd never really thought about coaching being a real full-time possession you know if you'd have asked me at 22 in eight years would I have been the head of academy goalkeeper at Norwich I'd have gone oh, that'd be nice but <laughs> I don't know really I'm just I'm, but it was great because I would you know in the on a, on a morning I'd, I'd run a program for or help with a program for over 60s so we play five-a-side football with 15 old age pensioners basically and then in the evening I'd be coaching uh, I'd be going maybe going to a school and doing um, you know like a PE lesson a physical education lesson with, with them and then I would go and coach goalkeepers in the evening so throughout the day you've engaged in so many with so many different people who are who've gone so many different journeys and want so many different things and and I hope but I look back at that and think that's where I developed a lot of those kind of personal skills and um, the ability to build relationships and, and trust and all, and all that kind of stuff which which as you say now is is massive in, in what we're trying to do in understanding the individual what they're going through as Doily said about the goalkeepers we we actually have uh, from well last season we had two goalkeepers in our PDP group so that's kind of scholars and up so under 17s and, and up the goalkeepers I work with we had two of the goalkeepers who were fresh in from grassroots that year. Uh, so hadn't been in academies at all, but kind of came straight in with us at 18 and 17. And 18 wow. and 17. Yeah, so, you know, and, that, and to be fair, those were two Norfolk, you know, Norwich boys who the club had known about for a long time and had played grassroots football. And it was only then at 17 and 18 that we went, yeah, you know what, they, they're probably, probably ready now. That probably suits them to be here. And so things like that, and so what, as Doyle says about knowing the individual, knowing where they are, knowing what they need, having the relationship where you can, you can ask and you, can, you, can, you know when to stand away, you know when to have a conversation. And, and that in itself develops a load of trust that, that I think along with you giving them a lot of ownership and what they want to do. So as soon as you give them a little bit of ownership and, and, and buy-in, it creates, I think, a really interesting journey for you and for them. I've certainly had loads of lessons this season when they've advised, you know, my strategy and their strategy have been slightly different. And sometimes you've gone my way, and sometimes you've gone their way. And their way isn't half bad a lot of the time. <laughs> um, and, um, and I think that's, that's been a really powerful learning experience for me, you know, especially one of our goalkeepers this season who uh, is very highly thought of. The club have paid money for him. And, and you know, we had a bit of a... I would say a battle at the start of the season, but I saw him, I saw his physical profile, I saw what it was about and, and thought after two or three months, having not said anything, I thought, no, you know what, I think we can go in this direction. It was actually with uh, shot stopping and the depth in the goal and things like that. And uh, he said, I'm not too comfortable, but I trust you and we'll, we'll, we'll try. And it just didn't work. And, and, and you know what, we, we focused on, after that, we kind of had a really regular discussions and went, you know what, what you were doing before has got you international caps it's got a Premier League club to buy you off another club. You're probably okay. Let's just maximise and make what you're doing brilliant as opposed mm. to trying to change you to a model that I think, you know, could have worked. And I still believe it could have worked. But, and then as soon as it's like, oh, you want to go my way? You, you, want, you want me to lead this? There's then a, like I say, an ownership, a, a Accountability. Buy. Yeah, buy. Yeah, spot yeah. on accountability. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm now accountable to, for my journey. You know, he's putting faith in me. And so when I get out in the grass every day, I, I'm going the direction that I want to go in. And I'm becoming the goalkeeper that I want to be. And I'm not sure there's too much, along with the opportunity to go through the system and knowing that there's a real endpoint, I'm not sure there's too much that more, that's more powerful than that. Tom, the way you kind of phrased everything there, I think it's something that I've kind of had this like aha moment throughout this quarantine is, 
that what you're talking about there is a skill. And I think as a coach, the skill set to be willing to say, okay, I was wrong to say, okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe my approach wasn't the right way. Sorry for not sorry, but you know, we tried it and I appreciate you, 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 you coming on that little journey with me, but let's go back to your way. And again, that shows you again, from the top down that you're able to admit when you're wrong. And sometimes it could, sometimes I think myself, it looked like a point of weakness for me, but I realized, no, as you get older and you get to those goalkeepers who are willing to take accountability and ownership of their development, they want to have a coach who wants to collaborate with them, not just be someone who's going to manage them and tell them exactly what to do. Because, you know, that's why the, those personal one-on-one relationships are so important. And that's why investing your time in those conversations, like you have obviously with your, you know, different personalities and different people that you've, you've met across the way of what you need to do to, to, to get the best out of them. And I think that is, yeah. So I think that's, that's super important, but, um, quick question. I want to get to, uh, your, your, uh, university of Lincoln sports development and coaching degree. Um, take me through that process. Was it obviously now at a young age, you realize you want to get into coaching and that was something that you wanted to, uh, to kind of pursue. Take me through the process of getting that degree. So uh, at the time, again, it wasn't, um, I wasn't set on coaching. I just knew I, I loved it. And I was at a time personally in my life where I needed to get away from, not need to get away from home, nothing bad was happening, but I needed to grow up a little bit. I needed to go away and have three years away, focusing on my education, focusing on some personal development uh, and, and getting out there and growing up a little bit. And I would say that that journey was probably the most, if not one of the most powerful I went on, just because uh, it really did kind of filter my love for learning into goalkeeping. And it was the same for my, I've got to say, that and my uh, time doing my master's at Leeds Beckett were uh, in sports coaching were two of the most powerful kind of parts of my journey because they were giving you, it gave you, it gave you ideas and it gave you kind of theories and processes and, and really asked you to strip back your bias. So you go in there with an idea, yep, yeah, I'm a goalkeeping coach, this is what I'm about, this is what a good session looks like, this is what a good session doesn't look like. And then they ask you why. And it's like, well, because that's what I got taught. I got taught to do that and I enjoyed it. So that's what, that's what it looks like now. And it's like, well, ask yourself a little bit more, you know, kind of what, what, what is it? Why does it look like that? Um, why does it look like that? What are you actually trying to get out of that person? Uh, do you understand who you're coaching? Do you understand how you're coaching? Do you understand what you're coaching? And then behind those three things, do you understand what your personal core beliefs are? and um, kind of what you really believe in coaching and then strip, yeah, basically strip back, strip back bias and, and strip back what you, um, what you believe to be true and basically try and prove it. <laughs> that kind of evidence-based approach. <laughs> yeah. You know, as you say it's true, it doesn't, doesn't mean it is. You know, just let's take an actual objective view and get your microscope out and really kind of look at yourself and, uh, uh, and ask yourself what, what you do, why you do it. Um, and both both degrees were were really really powerful for me and, and hugely shaped what I um I guess my mindset more than anything it shaped what I do and how I coach and what I coach but mindset definitely hundred um, percent absolutely and I, you know there's a lot of young coaches as well who are listening so um, any tips I mean if if maybe they wanted to go down this route or something that like were eye opening lessons for you I know you're talking about being a little bit more organized and understanding the why and really getting through those layers and understanding you know leaving the bias at the door, understanding why you're doing something. And those are sometimes tough because you have to look in the mirror and, and really self-assess. So uh, any eye-opening lessons that you had or any tips that you want to give to young coaches who maybe need to kind of hear something to get them to start being a little bit more self, uh, self-aware? Um, 
Yeah, what I would say first and foremost, I think that um, Andrew Sparks, Andrew Sparks mentioned it on one of your previous podcasts, just because you have a degree or a qualification doesn't make you a good coach. You know, that, that's, that's really important to say, you know, I'm lucky enough to be able to have done those things, and, but it doesn't, you know, that doesn't make me worthy of the position I'm in today. It, it's, it's how you take that information, how you present it, how you use it. And I think from, from purely from a personal point of view, from speaking to a lot, of, a lot of good coaches from a lot of different backgrounds, their ability to be kind of creative, curious and critical of themselves, I think they say, from what I can work out, they say is what makes them what they are. And I'd say it's not too different to goalkeepers, to be honest. I mean, like, you know, from a, from a study I've done previously, um, one of the main traits of elite goalkeepers, really elite goalkeepers, there is the ability to be self-critical and self-aware. So, you know, you, you talk about, there's no, there's no, um, you know, it's not a coincidence that, that say, Evander Saar was playing in his late 30s at Man United. It wasn't because he's physically the best he's ever been it, or anything like that. Or it was because he completely understood his role as a goal, completely understood what he was capable of, um, where his role was, what he could do, what he couldn't do, uh, how pictures looked. And I think you only do that if you if you step away and have a look. And I think it's the same as a coach. So self-awareness, I think, for players and coaches are huge. It's actually one of the three traits we look for in a, in a player is that awareness of themselves and their strengths and their weaknesses and the kind of demands, I guess, of their role. Um, I don't think that can be undersold. I really, really don't. The awareness of themselves and their awareness, you know, their ability to critique. I mean, and I was, you know, I remember I would send, I sent a session once, it was really early on to, to Tim Dittmer, who's obviously been on here and is someone I admire hugely. He, I sent him a session thinking he was going to send it back saying, oh, great, thumbs up, well done. And he was like, oh, what about this, 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 this? And your first instinct is, oh, like that. I don't like that. I'd rather you just said it was okay. And then you go through that process and you go, oh, I, want, I want more of that. I want to be told what's, what people think. And I think also the value is doing it to several people. So... I've sent sessions out during this time and not just send it to one person, but sent it to six or sent an idea out to six people, eight people, because, you know, there's more knowledge in those six and eight heads than there is in mine. So why wouldn't I utilize it? Love that answer. Yeah. Hopefully again, coaches and even young players who are listening, consult, consult, consult. You can only have so much in your head that you can, uh, that you can maximize and use utilize as many other voices and other uh, minds as you possibly can Uh, just on on that mate sorry Uh, for goalkeepers one of the most powerful things i think that we've done this year is exposed our young goalkeepers to the the first team guys so for goalkeepers themselves i think one of the most powerful things you know i can give them a certain amount i can set an environment i can we can coach and we can but them going to watch tim krull michael mcgovern ralph farman you know all have played in World Cups, European Championships, Premier Leagues, Bundesliga, played in Champions Leagues, all the rest of it. And they just watch. But some of the sessions I'll just, just go over and watch and just and then have a chat and just go and type on, why, why do you do that? But what's, what's your thought behind doing that, having that process or using that technique? And I think if you ask the, the boys this season, I think that's been hugely beneficial. And, and hopefully it's a culture which we continue to create because... I really do believe there's a certain amount of coaches we can give them, but if they can expose themselves and if they can ask questions to those those people who, you know who are playing in those massive environments now, you know, in terms of like this year, last year, I think that's that's a huge a huge plus for them. Yeah, absolutely, it's just 
exactly what you're talking about getting getting those goalkeepers just kind of familiar and a little bit more open to to seeing different techniques in, in use and then being willing to ask those questions and um one of those one of those uh questions that i asked to tim dittmer was how do you develop that social aspect for you within your goalkeeping unit so um he said the best way i do it is think about a session let's say with five goalkeepers and a coach think of that as six goalkeeper coaches everybody has a voice and everybody has an ability to not make a criticism but to look at the goalkeeper that's in the goal and say hey why did you do this or why did you do that whether that's in the session or when they get water whatever so for you is that something that you guys are are actively doing it's a non-negotiable to be honest you know we will do sessions where sometimes the goalkeepers in their position in the session are actually in better positions to coach than me just through one thing or another and you know if they're in a it is your responsibility now to be involved in this and i i've you know i've torn sessions apart and stopped sessions because that hasn't taken place you know mainly at the start uh, because i just think it's vital i I just think that and and you know what it's built it's built a huge amount of respect between all goalkeepers from one of your other podcasts you talked about you know is there a need to have specific age groups for goalkeepers so an under 18 goalkeeper trains an under 18 goalkeeper i would say that i've had a 21 year old goalkeeper learn an infinite amount from a 17 year old goalkeeper this season just because he does things differently. And you know what? He's not going to become that 17-year-old goalkeeper, but just the way he goes about processing and acting on a picture in the goal or has really taught him a lot. Uh, and so for me, I think that, as, as Tim would say, you know, develop some socially to be able to have those conversations and to um, you know, communicate effectively and things like that. But equally, I think it expands their learning hugely. It really, really does so. Yeah, it, it's come to a point where it, it's pretty much a non-negotiable that, that these uh, these players will will act as role models, as communicators, as coaches within the session. Agreed. And, and you know, now that you're in Norwich and obviously you talk about having your master's and you're a lecturer as well within your master's degree and, and at uh, it was at Leeds Beckett University. And with that master's degree, even asking Anthony White, for example, about his sports science background, how do you feel like that master's degree has, has influenced the way you've developed your culture at Norwich? Um, through the different modules, it taught me a couple of really key things. So, so first of all, it, the, my, my dissertation basically was around um, goalkeeper development trends. So, you know, what makes great goalkeepers great? And I mean, like, really great. So what separates uh, a goalkeeper who's number one at Man United to number two at Man United, supposedly? And that drew up some really, really interesting findings. Um, and I spoke to a lot of goalkeeping coaches about that, you know, some really highly skilled goalkeeping coaches. And that kind of shaped, I guess, the, the start of my philosophy that, that comes now, because i have done a little bit of research previously around, you know, where the goalkeepers come from. And I did as much as, as I can do. You know, I, I kind of researched on, online and looked at players' journeys. And I've, I've researched the 2016 European Championships and 45 goalkeepers that were in that tournament how many of them i'll put on you Omar. How, how many do you reckon were goalkeepers at academies but before 12 years old so how many spent time in academies before they were 12 out of 45 i'm probably gonna say because it seems like the way you phrase that question it's a trick question so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with 16. four no way and all four were outfielders no one was a goalkeeper so for me i'm looking at that and going what what something's not right (laughs) either we as goalkeeping coaches aren't coaching the right things to those young players or 
we're looking for the wrong things early on. We're looking for the goalkeeper that's a really good goalkeeper at 10, not the really good goalkeeper at 18, who might already be six. I mean, I'm working with a goalkeeper at the moment who's 12 years old and six foot one. And that, that's, a, that's an interesting session that comes around in the week. <laughs> but, you know, it's not about now. It's not about, he's not going to make his debut at 13. It's about he's making his debut at 18, hopefully, when his body's all in tune. So back to what you said around the, the Masters, that that prompted some really key questions around what kind of where do great goalkeepers come from? What does that look like? What, what do coaches deem as elite attributes for goalkeepers? That was really interesting. And then also, what is the goalkeeper's game? You know, strip back what as a goalkeeper you need to do. Don't think about anything you coach or anything you do currently. Just what do they need to do in their position? And then think about what the game looks like for them. And then what topics come off that? And then how they learn best. And then you've probably got a curriculum. That's probably it. Uh, you know, mm. Simplicity is genius. And, and suddenly what you've kind of come up with through simplifying everything, you actually isn't what I was doing at the time. It, it, was, it was nowhere near, to be honest. And so then you, that's kind of shaped the way that I would kind of define a, a curriculum and what's involved in it and, and then how I would coach it. Because yeah, so I, I guess I guess from the from the degree, especially the masters, it really it really encouraged me to strip back everything and really just look for well, what what can we know? So where do where do the you know great elite goalkeepers come from? What was their journey? What can we learn from that? And then what can we do to support their journeys? What what can we do to support their learning? The 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 players we've got right now, and that filters into all things like the recruitment of goalkeepers, how we look to recruit, where and when we look to recruit, you know, how much leeway we're giving, goal, what we're looking for at certain age groups. So what am I looking for? for Because when I, when I started off, and I know it's still the case in a lot of places, and I, I don't, it's not to devalue it at all, but you would literally start with, a, my first team goalkeeper looks like this, and so the next tier down, he should look like this, and the next tier down mm. should, should just be a watered-down version. But realistically, my 12-year-old that's six foot one isn't going to be able to do a slimmed down version of that because he's six foot one, he's 12. It's, it's not going to, it's just not going to happen. So, um, yeah, the, the degree certainly kind of broadened my mind, asked me far more questions than I got answers and uh, really kind of shaped how I looked to, to plan and, and design practices and curriculums and then to uh, engage players in learning. I mean, I'm going to put that on a billboard, everything you just said. I think that, I think, no, it, it's just so important because I think even for myself, you know, doing these Instagram lives and then doing uh, webinars or even uh, posting on my channel over the last two, three years, I've framed so many questions to people that things that I knew, but I only knew how I knew it versus I asked the question and now, you know, I get top coaches who are responding and now my mind and, and my uh, kind of thoughts, I'm breaking into different layers and going, whoa. Tom said that I never even saw that when I watched my session. So now maybe instead of, cause that's, I was very much not like you, but very much like I saw a player and I drew exactly what I wanted from that. And then I only stuck to that. I wasn't able to go with the ebbs and flows. I didn't want to adapt. I had the arrogance that I, you know, I drew this out. This is what I, my ideal mindset for a technique or my ideal mindset for a tactical goalkeeper. This is what I need. When really sometimes these goalkeepers, their traits don't adhere to the modern game and trying to force them let's say for a goalkeeper who I had who was incredible at 1v1s he doesn't want to be a sweeper keeper he'd rather drop to his line he's, yeah, he's rather, he'd rather drop to his line and you know use one of his strengths so I think that's super important in, in understanding the why the why the why and, and really 
dissecting everything. And I think these conversations and forums and platforms like these are super important to to delve into that because I think it's one of those that not a lot of people want to talk about, but it's something that we need to talk about to kind of expedite our own development. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of want to get in again, touching a little bit more on your master's degree because again, I think like you said, it doesn't matter if you have the master's degree, it's kind of how you use it. And so I want to make sure that I use this time so that other people can learn off of you. So <laughs> uh, one of the things is, is obviously building a strong mentality for our goalkeepers. And whether that's through session structure, whether that's through conversations off the field, film sessions, what are some techniques that you have used to kind of build a strong mentality for your goalkeepers? Um, I think that there's a lot of things to that, and a lot of them are going to be based around the individual goalkeepers. But to, to kind of to put a bit of a net over it, one would be opportunity. I think that at the club where I'm at at the moment, we're extremely lucky that we've got a great philosophy in promoting young players. And so when I've got, I'm working with five goalkeepers on a daily basis who I want to perform, you know, to the best of their ability on that day. And they know that they're at a club where if I do well and if I progress, then I can play here. I've genuinely got an opportunity to. I think that's a massive motivator. I, I really, really do. I think competition is huge. So I think that I like working with, a, I don't say a large number of goalkeepers, but four and five are, are brilliant for me because it drives intensity, uh, as well as having that um, kind of social aspect to it where people are learning off each other and seeing different ways of doing it. There's that competition element to it. You know, you're looking over. By the time we, you know, we were last training, I was working with five goalkeepers and, and four of them would have been starting games at the weekend, whether that be through our academy program or on loan, and one would be on the bench. So, you know, everyone's trying to, battle for position everyone's trying to um get ready for, you know improve and get ready for the game on saturday get their next contract um and i i thought those two things honestly those two things having opportunity and competition just through an environment were really really important if we're talking about things we can do as coaches to um kind of kind of really motivate and, and to drive players competition in sessions would be would be one you know not just competition of other goalkeepers but you know, actual scorekeeping and competition within sessions because, you know, you would like to think by that age, they, they certainly have kind of a winning mentality. And, they, you know, even if it's a stupid game, if we play um, a, like a war ball game, so it's like squash and uh, handball at the same time. So you're like smashing the ball in the ball and it's bouncing back. They're a fight breakout. Like, it's, it, they, they want to win. <laughs> they don't want to, you know, they don't want to be on the losing end of anything. And whether that's that kind of game, whether it's a crossing practice, um, whether it's shot stopping, whatever it is, whether it's a small sided game, you know, these players want to win. So putting emphasis on the competition element of it, giving something a score, giving something an outcome, giving accountability to what they're doing, I think is is huge. And then the last thing I'd say on that for motivation is is actually their relationship with you and other coaches. You know, do I want to really work with this coach today? Does he have my interest at heart? Because if he doesn't, I'm probably not going to be too motivated to to, you know, or as motivated to engage in this. I might be motivated in a, well, I'll show you, you know, you don't think much of me, I'll show you. And I've seen that before as well. But, you know, on the whole, I think that, you know, if, if you really, so I heard you talking previous podcasts about running sessions by players before sessions. And I would do that as a group and I'd do it with individuals. So I've done it with every goalkeeper this season. I've done it with all goalkeepers at the same time, where even if it's just for five minutes, we'd come in, we might watch a video and it might be a picture of the game and go, this is where we're going to get to. 
these are the two or three things we're going to work towards. Let's go. It might be that. It might be 15, 20 seconds. It might be a real, I'd say detail, 10, 15 minutes with a goalkeeper and go, we've got Man United on Friday. Um, have you looked at the clips? Yeah, I have. They look to play in this way. Okay, well, how, how would you get a practice together today? What, what would you do? Because you've seen that. You've gone away and you've done the work. You know that they get the ball to the byline and they cut the ball back. So for you, what would that session need to involve today? I think it would involve this, this and this. Oh, okay, well, I'll try and include those things. If you've got any problems in the session or you want to chat in the session, just grab me and we'll, we'll kind of we'll work through it and get the most out of it. I, from, from my experience, I think that's hugely powerful is having the, the relationship with, with the goalkeepers as a group. So being able to pull them into a room and all of them walk out one after the other and go, that was, that was for me. You know, I, that, I think that's quite powerful is, is when, uh, and I know it's something the whole academy tries to do, is that when a player walks off the pitch, they all think it was for them. If that makes sense, yeah. Because you, through your behaviour or through your um, planning of the session or your delivery of the session or what it involves, they all walk off. No one walks off and going, "Well, that had nothing to do with me today. That that was, you know, that was obviously for him, but that didn't." So, being really skilled in your planning and aligning the behaviours you're going to use to the sessions and the individual, I think can can result in some real positive stuff regarding motivation. Yeah, I love that. I think it's talking about the buy-in. I think you need those you need those goalkeepers sometimes to have their mentality in terms of you feeling or them feeling like you're putting them as the priority. So they step into a session and they go, I don't want, not that I don't want to disappoint Coach uh, Wheel, but I want to get out there and I actually want to, you know, uh, show him that I have a hunger to to work on the stuff that we both presented in the session, in session planning. So I think, again, that, that buy-in is super important. And um, I kind of want to get into uh, Tim Dittmer's question now. Tim said, great stuff, Tom. I don't know if you saw that in the, in the things. But he says, uh, can you give us some insight into how you design your drills slash sessions? Um, and I, I, I mean, on top of that, I mean, I know some coaches like myself at times, I kind of go with topics and other coaches sometimes they go with multidisciplinaries. Uh, let's say, for example, there's no game on the weekend because I know sometimes things go towards the team you're playing against in the scouting report. So let's, let's talk about just a session. Let's say you have three U21 goalkeepers. You're going to work with them and, and take me through something that com- conversation in, in, the, uh, in the session planning. Okay, so from the start, we'd look to uh, always at the, in the front of my mind is around what, um, what are the three things we're after for a Norwich City goalkeeper. So one would be an understanding of space, so how to defend it and how to exploit it. Another would be an understanding of the game, so the, the structure of the game, patterns and systems within it. And the last thing is themselves, so their strengths and weaknesses and the psychological skills and strategies to overcome those or maximise those. So those three things, I think, are really important to have at the front of my mind every time because, you know, as soon as you lose track of actually what you're working towards, it can, it can start to look slightly different. So... Those three things always stay first and foremost. They're written in a, the top of my session plan. So don't forget them, whatever you do, don't forget them. And then if we're talking about kind of an out of possession session, so defending the goal in space, it would literally be a picture. So it'd be, okay, so what are we, uh, our curriculum works off basically where is the ball? Where is it starting? Where is it going? So that came from when I was at Nottingham Forest and the, I was kind of designing a curriculum for the first time. And Week one of working with the under-14s and 15s or whatever was handling the footwork. And it was always handling the footwork. And it had been handling the footwork week one since I was about nine years old at Ipswich, because that's what you do. And then I was kind of in a phase where I was, you know, I want everything to look like a, a picture and I want it to look like a game and I want game-realistic decisions. And I was like, how do I do a handling and footwork session that looks like a game? Because everything's using cones and it's not necessarily in the goal. And it's, I was kind of, oh, what? 
quite sure what that looks like. So then as I went on, I was like, well, you know what? Actually, I'm just going to look to break up the pitch and wherever the ball is or whatever the pattern is in that part of the pitch, that's the session. So, you know, in terms of shot stop, our defending the goal um, syllabus is angled shot stopping. So shot stopping from the width of the six yard box and out. Central shot stopping. So width of, uh, so uh, between the six yard box and the penalty spot and out. And reactive shot stopping. So anything that's left in the square left, if that makes sense. So I know walking into a session that if I'm doing uh, angled shot stopping, the ball has to come from here. This is where it's going to, now how might it get there in a game? Well, it might come from a through a diagonal through ball. It might come from a cutback. It might come from X, Y, Z. So, okay, now these are some start to things that are going to look to build this picture. So then I kind of know where it's, I know where it's coming. I know where it's going to end up. And then I've got to align certain things. So I've got to align my objective of the session. So what do I want to get out of it? I've got to align my uh, coach behaviours. So how am I going to behave? Uh, the environment I'm going to work in and the um, engagement strategies I'm going to use. So how am I going to engage the players in this? And if they don't all align, it's kind of red flags. So I'm really lucky in the, in the training facilities I've got. I've got different areas I can work in and they're quite deliberate. So we've got one area that's by the uh, by a main road, basically. So it's really noisy. It's as close to generating the noise of 25,000 fans I can get. So that's where I tend to do my um, really, I kind of try and stress them out. So, you know, if it's a session where I'm asking for, um, uh, I don't know, decision-making in angle shot stopping, let's say, you know, solution decision-making, am I going to catch, am I going to parry, and I'm going to make it really live, I might do it in that corner. And I might, I'll let you go. No one can hear anything, so next to the road. And I'm going to try and stress you out a bit. If I want a session where, you know, there's a lot of debate going on, there's a load of learning, there's a, well, what about this, what about this? And this is a tricky picture. I'll go in a different area of the training ground where we've got space and we've got time, we've got a little bit of air to breathe in, generate those conversations. So I think what's really important for me is that those four things, so the behaviours I use, the engagement strategies, um, the environment I'm setting and the objective of the session all align together. They must all match. There's no point in me saying that, um, I want to design a session around, um, uh, I don't know, uh, movement patterns for 1v1s um, and decision-making whether to defend the space or defend the goal, and then shouting at everyone and give me the answers. There's no point in me doing that. Uh, you know, my behaviour has got to align with what I want out of the session. Um, and then the last thing I would say, so we've got, we've got kind of what are my foundations? Uh, where's the ball? What's the picture, basically? Okay, what things am I going to align to join together and then what am i actually going to coach so um, i work off a structure where there's there's five things i can coach in the session very similar to what you were talking about before so i can either talk about i can either coach the assessment of what's going on so i'm actually coaching how and when you can pick up triggers um to what's going on so let's say it's a cutback situation can i coach seeing the people in the box and recognizing where I'm going to stand, where, what the best position is, depending on what I see. Um, my movement, so you've got assessment and movement. So the actual quality and the speed of my movement uh, within, that, within that situation. The position I take up in relation to the ball, players and space. So not just am I aligned with the ball, but am I in a position that's in, you know, aligns with the ball? It's also relevant to the players. It's also relevant to the space I've got to defend. So if it's a crossing situation and there's no one at the front post whatsoever and the ball is 50 yards on the, on the wing, actually where's the best place to stand? Is it in the middle or is it 
Am I going to lean more that way and be a little bit more advanced? Um, and the last thing, I'm sorry, and then preparation. So both mental preparation and physical preparation. So you've obviously got your Neuer into stadium jumping in the air. You've got English goalkeepers who are traditionally a little bit more still. And then lastly, right at the end is the solution. So actually how I choose to make the save and uh, what, you know, what technique I'm actually doing. So the choice of save and the execution of save. Um, and I emphasize that is once so I can go a whole session and not pick up on how we make a save. Um, in terms of the actual solution we use. So I don't know whether it's a crossing session on touching or punching. But actually, I think there's enough learning in something like uh, coaching the assessment of a picture and my physical preparation. That might be it. That's my, all I get out of that day. Because they are, you look at goalkeepers who have been in the game a, a long time or are incredibly good at managing space. Remember, managing space and time is one of the things from the, from the kind of foundations is you know, the solution is the bit right at the end. It's the last thing we get to, you know, how we make the save is the last thing we get to. Before that, there's almost like a little process I've got to go through of, well, have I picked up on the right triggers? Is my movement effective? What position am I in? And then am I prepared? And then I make the save. Mm. So if we spend all our time working on when I make a, how I make a save and what save I make, you actually probably miss out on... 80%, 75% of the process the goalkeepers had to go through to make that save. Does that make sense? It does. So, yeah, no, I think, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, so, I mean, I appreciate that's quite a lengthy answer, but, <laughs> yeah, to, to summarise, obviously, you have those three fundamental things, the foundations, so uh, space, the game, and themselves. Where's the ball? What's the picture? What, you know, how, how does this relate to a, to a game? What's, what's the picture that's going to get presented? If I can, how can I try and join up some in-possession pictures with out-possession pictures? So if I'm doing a crossing session, uh, is there a way that the person that's crossing the ball, I can replicate a playing to the fullback picture with him? So can he receive the ball from one side, clip it into a fullback, but that's actually a cross for the goalkeeper to come and engage in? There's a bit of kind of dual learning there in the dual topics. And then which part of the process am I coaching? Am I coaching the assessment, the movement, the position? the preparation or the solution or a couple of those or another yeah i, I mean i would love to get a picture of that because my mind is uh, I'm, I'm following all these little <laughs> i love no i love it and i think again that goes back to something that anthony white mentioned to me about you know technique in isolation and then technique as a skill um so i think that is exactly what we're talking about is that there's different ways there's so many different factors that lead into you actually getting down and making a save that to just look at okay he, he's not good at going down to his right or to his left how can we influence that there's a lot more that comes to it okay you know where was their positioning were they too deep were they too high you know what i mean so there's different there's different things that come into play with all that so i think um I'd love to get a picture of that, or if you have it in writing, I'd love to. <laughs> the, big, the biggest thing for me was when I was, you know, you would do certain types of practices. And when, when I, this is probably when I first joined Norwich, and, and we kind of knew as a club who the better goalkeeper was in the group. And I would do sessions which were mainly technique-based, and he would look the worst. And I was like, no, we know that he's, he's good. But the sessions I'm putting on are making him look not as good, but it's because I was missing out the other 80%. Mm. I was just... But I was just focusing on how do you make this save, uh, and it wasn't necessarily realistic. Whereas if you actually present him with the whole game and you ask him to pick up on triggers from you know certain players and where the ball is and how it's moving and the speed of what position he's taken up in the goal, and as guys will have said before, that's the value of, of doing work and specific work and aligned work with your you know your outfield coaches and players because 
that's when the true pictures can really, really come out. Um, as I think it was Sparks who you said in his, you know, there's only so much we can do. And obviously we, I try and put some in-possession stuff in with the out-of-possession and every goalkeeper's got a role and as much learning is going on as we can. But you know what, when the, when the, you know, when it comes to push or shove, you know, it's, it's how do you do that within that kind of team environment. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that, I'll, say, I'll, happily, I'll happily share it with you, but that was a big one for me when I had a goalkeeper who I knew was very good, but didn't look good in my sessions, but because my sessions didn't actually replicate what he needed, what, what the game required. But again, it goes back to, uh, we have two minutes left, so I'm going to make this quick point. I'm going to ask you one last question, and we're going to have to sign off. But I think it goes back to, you talking about your, your degree and them peeling those layers of the why over and over so i think if you had never let's say for example you never you never had that degree and that was a situation that you were kind of presented to of the technique and putting a goalkeeper who may understand the actual game the tactical game a little bit more than the actual technique and that tactical awareness puts him in the best positions to use whatever technique that he has had you not been in you know situations where you had to dissect that situation and ask the why why am i doing this or uh, why is he not looking as good, then I don't think you would have gotten the best out of that goalkeeper. And I think that's important when you're talking about getting as much education as you can because you may hear something even through this uh, IG Live for an hour. You may hear one or two things and you go, oh my God, that completely changed my mindset on, for me at least, session structure and what I look for. And it, it has. And I think that's important for not just myself, but a lot of people to, yeah, if you can't get the education, just listen to a lot of podcasts, webinars. At least you can pick one thing and you're 1%, 2% better on the day, which means your goalkeepers will be, will be better because of it. Um, and Tom, I want to leave you on one thing here. And it's, you know, we did a lot of stuff for the, for the goal, uh, goalkeeper coaches. And I kind of want to throw one bone at the, at the goalkeepers. And, you know, one thing I always get asked about is nerves. Um, I, I suffered with it. I know a lot of other goalkeepers did. I know Tim mentioned it, like the psychological uh, uh, aspect of his game when he was younger. Um, so if there's a young kid right now driving to a game, which they're not now, but in the future, driving to a game, they have nerves, they're lacking confidence in their abilities, anything to kind of calm their nerves prior to the game? Yeah, so first and foremost, I'd say that depending on who you are, nerves probably mean that you care. So it's not about, like, I remember I, I covered a game for the for the first team at, at Tottenham earlier in the season. So it was the first time I'd, I'd done that. And the manager came to me before the game and said, are you nervous? And I went, no, I'm excited. And he went, oh, I thought you'd be nervous because that meant you cared. And I was like, oh, right, okay. So, so if you are nervous, just because you, you care about what you're about to do, right? It means something to you. So don't necessarily fret about being nervous, but a couple of things to help would be, one would be imagery. So you know, positive thinking about what you're about to do. So imagining yourself doing the things that, you know, you want to do in a game. So I know that one example is Wayne Rooney, or obviously you'll know, he, he used to ask the kit man what kit he was playing in the next day because he wanted to, he wanted to visualise and what, what kit the opposition were going to wear and all that because he wanted to visualise scoring that goal or making that run or, or whatever. So it's just, I, I feel like it's the same for goalkeeping. We've had some success with that where... Um, you know, you're visualising the positive things you're going to do in the game, you know, whether that's the, the, the pass you want to pull off or the save you want to make, you know, really trying to focus really positively on, on the outcomes you want. Uh, and we also talk about something called a, a game face. So, you know, we've got loads of different personalities in the goalkeeping group, as you'd expect, but when they all go onto the pitch, they all, it's almost like you put a game face on, it's like, right, this is me on the pitch now, and this is my job and this is my role. So... Confidence is something that the confidence is a behaviour, so it can be it can be learned. You can learn how to portray confidence. So so I try that. So you know what does a confident goalkeeper looks like? Well, he looks like 
He looks like this. It looks like he's communicating. It looks like he's taking up positive positions. He's involved in the game. Okay, so practice doing that. When I go out, those are the things I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on acting in a, in a confident manner because, you know, I've worked with a lot of goalkeepers now who, off the pitch, are quite introvert and quite to themselves. And then they go on the pitch and it's like, oh, this is, this is you know, three o'clock on a Saturday goalkeeper now. This, this is me and this is my job and this is how I behave. Um, so, so, yeah, but those are two things. Imagery, definitely, I think is really, really helpful. Uh, and the game phase. So what does confidence look like from a goalkeeper? And, and uh, how, do I, how do I show that? Absolutely. It's kind of what Matt Doyle said uh, when I was with him. He said he's a little bit quiet off the field. And when he steps onto the field, he had to almost have an alter ego. And that, you know, allowed him to step into it and feel comfortable that he was, you know, able to, to have that outlet and have that personality that he can, he can turn to in those tough moments. But, Tom, again, uh, pleasure to have you on. I mean, uh, I definitely learned a lot myself. And I know a lot of the listeners hopefully did as well. Any, uh, anywhere that the uh, followers or anybody can find you? Uh, any uh, Twitter, Instagram? So I'm on Instagram and Twitter, both the same, uh, Wheelie, so W-E-A-L 23. So that's my handle. There's not really too many Tom Wheels on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> so yeah, if, you, if you put the name in there, you'll probably, you'll, you'll probably find me. But um, no, always happy to share, always happy to talk goalkeeping. So feel free to get in touch. Absolutely, Tom. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll stay connected. Thank you guys for tuning in. Tom, I'll reach out to you after, okay? Take care. All right, thanks, mate. All right, guys, bye.